In St. Luke chapter 1 this morning, St. Luke chapter 1, look with me at verses 26 and following. Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. And the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. An angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. God indeed did come to this earth. We have heard this story so often. We perhaps have read it so many times. And we've heard this text preached upon ample times in our Christian life, maybe to the point that the power, the splendor, the glory of it all has been lost. But I'm here to tell you, when the angel appeared to the Virgin Mary, a young Jewish virgin girl, and said that she was going to have in her womb placed the living God that was coming in the flesh. That to me is a mystery. That to me is power. Can you imagine uh, that taking place? Uh, with that being said, somehow miraculously, the Holy Spirit was going to conceive in that virgin womb a child. The egg was already there, but there was no sperm. But there would be a miraculous conception for the glory of God and for the good of the world. I'm also reminded as I read this text, understand uh, that Mary herself uh, could have often been killed uh, simply because uh, according to the law, uh, that the fact that she was having a baby out of wedlock uh, meant that she could have been stoned to death. Uh, we read about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and the beauty of it many times without really thinking about the reality of what it must have been for both Mary uh, and for Joseph alike. We ooh and we awe about the birth, about Jesus being placed in a manger, about how the angels came to the shepherd uh, keeping watch over their flock and how they came to adore the Christ child. Uh, we ooh and we awe about uh, seeing a star in the east and the wise men coming, uh, bearing their gifts and so forth. And we think a lot about that. But in reality, what, when Mary said yes to the proposition of that angel, her life would never, ever be the same again. According to the word of God, the Bible said that she was greatly troubled and afraid when the angel visited with her that day. The angel said that she would conceive and she would bring forth a child and his name would be called Jesus for he would save his people from their sin. But she could have easily said, Houston, we have a problem. And the problem is I'm a virgin. I've never known a man physically in my life. Think about her position for a moment. 
It's difficult uh, to hide a pregnancy. Uh, when an individual woman is pregnant, uh, the baby inside the womb begins to grow week in and week out. Uh, the belly of that woman begins to grow week in and week out until the day of the, of the birth. And in America, there are millions upon millions of women every year uh, that have pregnancies, and many of whom they want to try to hide their pregnancy and act as if though it never happened at all. Imagine Mary, if you will, for a few moments. Uh, they're pregnant in a very small village, being pregnant. And the news that Gabriel brought to her uh, was certainly not exciting news. I don't believe it was at all. In some respects, it might have been exciting, but in other ways, I believe it it's just disturbing to her because the law said a woman that was betrothed to be married and yet if she was pregnant, she could be stoned to death by the people outside of that place. Even the Gospel of Matthew tells us uh, that Joseph was so embarrassed because of it, he was so bumfuzzled because of what was going on that he gave, wanted to give her a divorce papers and not make a public skeptical out of it uh, whatsoever. Not only was the child growing inside of her womb, but what does she do? She leaves town as quick as she possibly can. And where does she go? Uh, she goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house. Now I must understand uh, that when she got to Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth was also pregnant. For you see, an angel had also come to Elizabeth and said, Elizabeth, even in your old age, uh, you and your husband are going to have a baby. And your baby is going to be called John the Baptist, and he's going to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ the Lord. And when Mary shows up, probably with tears in her eyes, going, I don't know what's going on. You're not going to believe Elizabeth what's happened to me but I'm pregnant and I don't know a man and yet there's an angel that came to me and said I was going to birth inside me uh, the, the, the son of God, God himself incarnate inside me and, uh, and Elizabeth just hugged and said honey I understand, I understand an angel came and visited me as well and said my womb's going to be opened up in my old age and I'm pregnant already Joseph and I are, or, 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 or my husband and I are so excited about what God's doing within our life I wonder would Elizabeth shown as much sympathy and compassion and love to Mary in her situation had an angel not also come and visit with her to begin with? Let me tell you, aren't you so grateful no matter what we're going through in life, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter how upside down our life appears to be, God will always put somebody in our path that has an answer to help us, somebody that can console us and help us through whatever it is that we're going through. Notice, if you will, this morning, uh, some, 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 some contrast uh, between Mary and Elizabeth. First of all, everybody's talking about uh, the pregnancy of Elizabeth while Mary's trying to hide hers. Everybody else is all excited about Elizabeth's pregnancy uh, while Mary has a certain amount of shame uh, about her. Uh, Elizabeth is able to explain her pregnancy with no problem, but there's no way in the world uh, that anybody's going to believe the story uh, that Mary came up with. Uh, when Elizabeth uh, was about ready to give birth to the child, no doubt they had midwives around them. She was in her hometown. Uh, they gave a baby shower, I'm sure. Uh, they had the support of the family and support of friends. But when Jesus Christ was born, when Mary gave birth to him, it wasn't even in her hometown. They didn't give him a her a baby shower. Uh, there was no midwives to be found. Uh, there was no support of family or friends at all. She was all by herself. As a matter of fact, uh, she didn't even give birth in her hometown due to the census, which begs the question, why in the world uh, did Joseph drag Mary all the way to Bethlehem for the census when only the head of the house was required to go to begin with? perhaps uh, to spare her the embarrassment of childbirth in her hometown where the rumor mills, no doubt, uh, were working over time. Mary was quite a gal. 
She put her reputation on the line to obey God. She put her life on the line in order to obey God. And friend, had she not obeyed, where would we be today? Had she not obeyed, where would the salvation of the world even be today? The salvation of the entire world rested upon the shoulders of these two hasty teenagers from the backside of the place in the little country of Israel. For nine months, Mary had to explain her pregnancy to the world. For nine months, she had to live a certain amount of torment, but there was more to the story than what meets the eye. What about Jesus when he was born? I was raised in a community where my parentage was questioned all the days of my life, and I know the pain that's associated with that as well. Yet Jesus lived under the shadow of the rumor mills as well. Your stepfather, your dad was really Joseph. Your dad was this. Who know what the rumor mills were all like during that particular time? Today, my friend, we have ways of getting rid of our so-called pregnant mistakes. Abortion clinics are set up all around the United States and around the world. Some woman gets pregnant out of wedlock and don't want to go the full term. She wants to hide her pregnancy. Off to the abortion clinic they go. Some teenage girl gets pregnant by some well-to-do teenage boy. And the first thing that we didn't want to do is say, well, uh, we can't soar the reputation of my son. So off to the abortion clinic it goes. Or maybe some girl uh, is birthed into a family out of where the dad's an important person, a great politician, uh, some big businessman, somebody uh, big within the community. And I can't have our name and our reputation and our business soiled by your mistake. So off to the abortion clinic it goes. And the would-be father thinks oh, my responsibilities are gone. And the young girl says, I have nothing to worry about now, but nothing can be further from the truth. But when Mary, when Mary herself had this unplanned pregnancy, what did she say? Her response was, may it be unto me according to thy word. May it be unto me according to thy word. So many times when we say yes to the Lord, it is a double sword. You know what that double sword is? Tremendous joy and tremendous pain. When you say yes to Jesus, it's not all gonna be hunky-dory. There's gonna be some pain involved. There's gonna be some suffering involved. And when she said yes to the Holy Spirit, uh, there was tremendous joy, but there was also tremendous pain in her pregnancy. Now we enter into the Christmas season. Don't we love it? All the decorations, all the gift wrapping, all the trees and the tinsels. Uh, we love the Christmas songs. We love the Christmas movies. Uh, we love the cantatas. We love the little kids and their dramas. We love all the Christmas cards and all associated with it. Uh, we all enjoy the festivities and we remove from our thinking any potential scandal that's associated with it whatsoever. But we've got to remember that what happened at the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem ended with the death of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. Perhaps no one really understood what was truly going on with the birth of Jesus. Did Mary and Joseph really grasp the importance of the child she was carrying? Uh, did the shepherds and the wise men know the totality of what it meant for the Savior of the world uh, to come into this world? Uh, did the Roman armies and, and did the Caesars and the Herods of that day, did they really think that Jesus was nothing more than a menace to an earthly government? Did anybody truly get what it was all about? And yet when old man did, he understood it well and his name was Simeon. And he said, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, 
his mother, Behold, this child is set for the rise and the fall against the many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yes, sword shall pierce through your own soul also, and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. God had come to the earth in the form of Jesus Christ to bring new life, to bring new hope, and to give a brand new destiny for mankind. I'm grateful, but how could a baby lying in a manger be any threat to the power of darkness? How could this baby be any threat to the powers of death and hell and the grave? How could this baby be a threat uh, to Caesar? Or how could he be a threat uh, uh, to, uh, to King Herod as well? How could he be a threat? But Jesus, the Son of God, entered into a hostile world uh, where the Roman military machine was plowing down anything and everything that got in the way. He was born into a world where there was strict law-abiding Jews of that hour. And he came into a world uh, where there was powers of darkness and rulers of wickedness. Came into a world uh, where the thief was robbing and killing and destroying all of mankind. And even Jesus was supposed to come and have power over all of that, but as a baby... As a baby, he was not threatening anybody. As a baby, nobody feared him. Even the government of that day dictated where Jesus Christ was. He going to live. Because when Herod was killing all the baby boys two years of age and younger, Joseph and Mary and Jesus, they joined a caravan and off to Egypt they went in order to spare the life of Jesus Christ. And then when Herod died, there was a dream that he had and the angel told him I had to come back into Nazareth. And they came back. From the time that Jesus was born to the time that he died, Rome was after him. The powerful Roman machine was after him. And even when Rome crucified him and those soldiers crucified him, they thought, finally, we are finished with this barefoot preacher from Galilee. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. He rose from the grave and outlived the pallbearers of that day. And he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he has built a church where the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Rome is gone. The power of Rome is gone, but the church still stands and Jesus Christ is still the head of the church and thank God he's not going out of business, nor have we. Thank God for it. But the birth of Jesus still fascinates me. Divinity housed in a man. A holy God becoming one of us. God coming to the earth. God who was high and lofty became humble and lowly. By definition, God is the ultimate reality of being perfect in power, wisdom, and goodness, who's worshiped as creator and ruler of the universe. But the Bible said of him, but he made, made himself of no reputation, reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Here are a few words you never find associated with God. Humble. Servant, obedient. Before the birth of Jesus Christ, I never heard of a humble God. Have you? But we serve a humble God. God did not invade this world with a fiery chariot. He didn't invade this world with a fiery vengeance. He did not come to this world on the end of lightning bolts into this world, but rather he shrank as low as to become a small oven which was basically a single fertilized egg that you could not see with a natural eye. And as a result, uh, it would divide and re-divide until it became a fetus. And in that fetus, uh, there would come bone upon bone and organs would form and the flesh covered around about that. Inside the womb of that young, frightened, nervous, teenage virgin girl, and the Bible said that Jesus became nothing. Nothing. 
he humbled himself. The God of all glory is now a God of humility. He who sat upon the throne and ruled the universe is now to a microscopic oven in the womb of a mother. The almighty God who sat upon the throne was now being formed in the womb of a virgin. The baby being formed in her womb could not speak, could not talk, could not eat solid food and did not have the ability to even abide by its own, uh, control its own body functions. The God who said let there be and there was is in the womb is now being born. And now Mary has to take care of him and love him and shelter him and feed him and burp him and change him. The God of creation she holds in her hand. She kissed his brow. She kissed the son of God. She held him. She embraced God, a humble God we never heard of before until this time. I read a story some time ago that might help illustrate. On one occasion when the Queen of England came to visit the United States, she brought with her 4,000 pounds of luggage. She brought with her two outfits for every affair that she would attend. She brought with her one outfit just to go to a funeral if somebody died in time of mourning. She brought with her 40 pints of plasma. She even brought white leather toilet seats. She brought two personal hairdressers, two valets, a number of servants, and her visit to America cost nearly $20 million. That's how royalty travels. But the royalty, the almighty God, when he left heaven to come to earth, that's a whole lot further distance than from England to America. He took shelter in a shepherd's cave. His bassinet was a feeding trough we call a manger. His coming to the earth divided history from before Christ to A.D. after Christ. No entourage for Jesus. No bodyguards to watch over the Savior of the world. He was in the tender care and the loving arms of a little woman, a little Jewish girl by the name of Mary, uh, who was to be married to a man by the name of Joseph. Talk about humility. Jesus Christ showed up into this world in grandstand's entrance of humility. Notice something else about the birth of Jesus. Not only did he come in humility, <laughs> the God lying in the manger is approachable by man. You and I can approach God. Think about that for a moment. In the Old Testament, humility or humanity could not approach God. There's no way they could do that. Jesus changed all that with humble birth. I'm told that Hindus, before they come to worship God, they bring some sacrifice to their deities. When the Muslims come to worship their God, they bow to the ground so far, their forehead hits the ground. And even among the Jews, they bring some type of a sacrifice before God. It was in most religions, tradition, fear is the primary emotion when approaching God or approaching the Almighty God Himself. The Jews had a healthy fear of God. Moses, when he went and saw the burning bush, it was a bush that burned, but it never burned up or never burned down. God's a consuming fire. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, there were coals of fire that was associated with that. Ezekiel approached God and felt uh, that he would walk away scorched or he would be glowing from head to toe. Uh, jo Jacob wrestled with God all night long, and yet God touched him to where he lived the rest of his life. Those were the ones, my friend, that were fortunate that got in the presence of God. Then you read in the Bible where the, the people of Israel taught their children 
about the wholeness of God and how he was so far above and so much greater and so much more exalted. They told their story over and over again about how that when they wilderness that God came down up on top of the Mount Sinai in a cloud and they put boundaries around that mountain and if anybody passed that boundary, they would die. Brothers and sisters, let somebody touch the Ark of the Covenant and see what happened. They would die. Let somebody enter into the Holy of Holies uh, without the proper lineage, uh, without the proper heritage, uh, without the proper dress, and without the proper mannerism, and they had a rope tied around you, and they would pull your sorry hide out because you're going to be dead as a mackerel trying to approach God without the right way. People developed a healthy fear of God. He's holy, man is sinful. He's perfect, man is imperfect. He is so far above us. There was so much fear of God that even the scribes, uh, when they were writing the name of Yahweh, the name of God, they would lay down the quill, pick up another one as to make sure that it was a perfect pen that they used in writing the name of God himself. And to this day, the Orthodox Jew will not enter in uh, beyond the, the Western Wall for fear they might step into where it used to be the Holy of Holies and be struck dead. That's one reason they'll enter in, but there's many others as well, but that's one one of them. But who can be frightened of a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger? With the birth of Jesus, God found a way to communicate his heart and his love and his emotions to mankind that it did not involve fear. Job asked the question that was answered in Jesus. Job said, I'm still complaining bitterly today. My hand is heavy because of my groanings. If only I knew where to find him. I would visit him where he's taken his seat. I would lay out my case before him to fill my mouth with arguments. I know he will come and answer me. I understand what he'll tell me. With the birth of Jesus, there is no longer this big schism, this big gap between God and man. We can be friends again. Holy God and sinful man can be friends again. We approach him through the precious blood of Jesus Christ the Lord. God is now approachable through Jesus Christ. The question was asked two times in the Old Testament. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, the heaven of heavens I cannot contain thee, how much less the house which I have built. Yes, God did come to dwell upon the earth. He came in the womb of a virgin by the name of Mary. He was raised by a man by the name of Joseph. And John said, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus emptied himself of the glory that he had with the Father. He became one of us without taking on the sin nature. Friend, the incarnation is a beautiful thing to think about. Divinity housed in a man. God housed in a man. Years ago, we had a cat. I don't like cats, but I love my daughter. When my daughter married, she wouldn't take the cat. So we were stuck with a cat. I lost a daughter and gained a cat. That poor old cat wouldn't do nothing but eat and sleep and fill up the litter box. That's all it would do. You try to play with it, it'd run. You try to pet it, it would hide. But boy, you go to the counter and get, open up a, a can and take that can over there, he'd come running. He was about that long, about that big around, fit right in, about that big around, and his belly hit the ground when he walked. Big old ugly cat. I mean, it, it, it's one didn't die of heart attack. 
But you open a can of food, and he come, yeah, and gets around you on that leg and turns that motor on. You know what I'm talking about, that motor the cats have? Turn that motor on, and he wanted to buy the tuna, whatever's in that can, he wanted it. And yet I wanted to play with him time to time, he'd run. I'd want to pet him, he'd go hide. None of us meant to harm him. We took care of him daily. But he ran every time he saw us. I suppose in some ways he might have thought I was deity. I'm much bigger than he was. Any act of mercy, he saw as a threat. Any act of love, he saw as cruelty. But the only way that that cat could understand my heart, my love, and my motives was for me to become a cat and speak the meow language. Right? For him to know my heart, to know my mind, to know my love for that cat. Can you imagine wanting to pet it and it runs? Wanting to play and he bites your hand. But it's one thing for me to become a cat, but it's quite another for God to become human. And God Almighty became one of us. It happened in Bethlehem with the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh. The Creator descending to be born in the manger of Bethlehem. God came to earth to prepare those on earth to get ready for heaven. The Son of God became the Son of Man, that we as sons of men might become the sons of God. At Bethlehem, two worlds came together. God who knows no before or after entered time and space. And God who knows no boundaries took on the confines, if you will, of flesh itself. God, who was high and exalted, became humble and lowly. And God in the Old Testament, who was unapproachable unless you did it right, is approachable by every one of us today. Why in the world did Jesus come to this earth to seek and save that which is lost, to heal that which was needing the physician, to give life and life abundantly, to pull down the strongholds that have many people bound. Our God came as one of us to identify with He knows your pain. He knows your struggles. He knows your sin. He knows your habits. He knows your strong. He knows everything about And he loves us for God so loved the world. He gave. Now, friend, if he goes that far to show us his love, how far will he go one day in wrath to pour out wrath against everyone that turns down that love? There's so many today that think God's one of the boys. You know, the pendulum swings one way or the other. And sometimes it goes too far when it goes too far this way. And some way, God's, God's my buddy. We have created a God in their image. And we think that's the God that we serve that winks at our sins when we know that we're just contrary living, contrary to this book. And we think, well, the God that I have in my mind, he's, he, he loves me just how I am, and he lets me live the worst way. Let me tell you something, friend. We better find out what the book says. Amen. There's a way that seems right to man that's death. Amen. The songwriters, the secular songwriters got it right. Led Zeppelin said, there's a stairway to heaven. The other one said, there's a highway to hell. And the way to heaven is narrow. The way to hell is broad. And the God that came to this earth showed us God's heart and God's mind and God's will. He did not come to save us in our sins. Thank God he came to deliver us from them and from the effect of it. I am so grateful today that God became man, a humble God, but an approachable God. Father.